Today on Women of Impact, Sex with Emily is in the house and I am asking her all of the raunchy and embarrassing questions we women have been dying to ask but are usually too embarrassed to. Healthy masturbation is the key to unlocking our own pleasure because we're responsible for our own orgasm. A doctor in human sexuality, a best-selling author, a masterclass instructor, and host of the number one sex podcast, there's no surprise that she comes and over-delivers. We use technology for ev- to enhance every other area of our life. Well, what is the problem with using a toy? From faking orgasms, to porn, to fantasies, to pretty much anything you've ever wondered about but never said out loud, we cover. I'm going to admit something here. I used to fake orgasms. If you're single, grab your girlfriends. If you're in a relationship, grab your partner. And if you're a parent, we well, get your kids out of the room because we are about to get smoking hot. Ready? Yes, I'm so ready okay, for it. Okay, let's do it. With the one, the only, Sex with Emily. Welcome to the show. So good to be back oh. here with you. Oh my God, girl. I'm so excited. Talking about sex, even me sometimes still gets me a little shy and embarrassed. So I want to lean into it because I want us to be able to talk openly about all the things that are tough for other women to talk about. So I'd love for you to help answer these incredibly difficult questions okay. that women have. You yes, ready? I'm so ready okay, for it. Okay, let's do it. So question number one. How come I don't orgasm with my partner? Okay. So this question, here's the thing. This is probably one of the most common questions I get asked. I want everyone to listen to this because sometimes people freak out. Only 20% of women will orgasm with a penis. So I'm going to say a heterosexual relationship, man, woman, penis goes in vagina. The way we've been brought up, we make these assumptions that we should be having an orgasm that way. But only 20% of women do. Meaning that a lot of women can't orgasm with a partner through penetration, but what they can do is they can do it through oral sex, through fingers, through toys. The three ways that women are more likely, more likely to orgasm are with a mouth, with fingers, or with a toy. Why so, is that, Emily? Well, that is because what happens is when we, when we talk about penis and vagina sex, which is, again, I'm assuming this is for heterosexual couples. It's very different with sure. same-sex couples. What happens is the, the most sensitive nerve endings, like the clitoris, which is external, it's outside the vulva, which is the external part of the vagina, that's where all the magic happens externally. And there are some internal nerves. People call it the G-spot. I like to call it the G-area. But typically, that's not going to get stimulated by a penis. So we need the good old foreplay. It's not just a suggestion. It's actually a requirement. It is a requirement for women to get turned on. I have to think of it this way, that women are slow cookers and men are frying pans. <laughs> men are going to, and again, it's not this way across the board with every man and every woman, but typically men are going to get, they're, they're going to, Tom sees you and he's like, let's go. I'm excited, right? Your partner, see, and, and we're like, I was just finishing a text. I didn't see you <laughs> walk in the room. Like, what is going on? And so that means that we need more, we need to be warmed up. We want to have some external touching and playing and getting aroused. So a lot of times what happens with couples is they assume because what we see in television, what we see in movies Mm -hmm. is is couple makes out for a minute and then they have penetrative sex and woman has wild screaming orgasm. That is not reality. And here's the thing. I love that you said that because 
it isn't just the sex itself. It's the fact that for me, at least, like I started to feel a bit of shame. Like, shouldn't I be able to do this? Yes. And now you start to be insecure and then that spirals out and then leads to, you know, the fear of not feeling sexy when you're having the sex. Yes. So this is why, and, I, and the same thing, Lisa, the reason why I started this show, Sex with Emily, about 16 years ago was because I felt shame. I thought I was broken. I thought something was wrong with me because I wasn't having orgasms and I wasn't having as much pleasure because I didn't know anything about sex. So it's really common that we feel shame, but what I want to empower and encourage every single person with a vulva to do, I often say vulva owners, I don't always use gender, but you know what I'm talking about. If that is your body part, you need to just have a conversation with your partner. And this will be the, the tips I, I the, 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 one of the top tips I give is communication is lubrication. And the more you talk about sex, the better sex you're going to have. And here's the thing, your, your male partner is not, they don't know this either. So they're assuming that, you know, I also, I'm going to admit something here. I used to fake orgasms. Okay. So that was part of one of my questions. Like how, is it okay how, to fake? And if not, how do you stop? Well, that's a great question. So I, I feel like I did a disservice to all the men I was with because I just thought, here's why women fake. We fake because we know we're not going to get there. We don't want to make them feel bad. Uh, we so want it to be weird. over. We're like, enough <laughs> pounding. Is it time for dinner? Is it time to eat something? <laughs> like, I'm trying so I hard for the last I don't want to talk about it, so we fake it. So to me, that's like a disservice to so all my former partners are walking around going, oh, I'm the greatest lover yes. ever. So, so how we stop faking it is we have a conversation outside the bedroom with our partner and we say, you know what? I've learned a lot today. I was listening to Women of Impact and there was this sex doctor on and I learned a lot. And I realized that I, and you lead with I statements, not blaming, not shaming. And you say, I realize that I haven't really had a real orgasm before with you. And maybe I've, if you were talking about faking it, you say, I, I'm really embarrassed, but sometimes I feel like I want to get there, so I, I kind of fake it, because maybe that could help. But I never really have with you, and I actually never really have with any partner. So what I realize is that I need is, I require more clitoral stimulation. And so this is where I recommend couples engage in mutual masturbation. And even though, and I think that masturbation is a huge part of our overall sexual health and wellness. Mm. And if you have a lot of shame around masturbation, you know, I hear from people all the time, Lisa, they say, oh, I don't need to masturbate. I have a partner. And, and, and okay, I, I, get, I, under, I understand that mentality or it's wrong or it's cheating, but it's just, again, everything about sex needs to be rebranded. And one mm. of them is that masturbation is shameful or wrong. And it's actually the key Healthy masturbation is the key to unlocking our own pleasure because we're responsible for our own orgasm. So freaking true. So why do people think it's wrong? Is it just the way that they were brought up? Typically, it's because people were raised in an environment mm. where it was actually very religious. Perhaps it was part of their upbringing that, that sex is just for procreation. Um, you, it's not something that you do with a partner. Or, or also sometimes what happens is we're little kids, we're toddlers, and maybe we're touching ourselves or so we're rubbing against a pillow. And our parents say, stop, that's wrong, that's dirty. So it's even these messages ah. that we might not even remember what they are. Also, in pop culture, in all media, um, male masturbation is sort of glorified. You think about the movies, or we all know men masturbate, but nobody talks about female masturbation. And so I just think it's part of sex that's shrouded in mystery. Mm -hmm. And so I just want to lift the veil, and I want to tell all your listeners, all the women out there, that if you haven't, it's great. I have so, much, so many great articles on my site at sexwithemily.com that have 
first time masturbation guides, how to do it, tips and tools, because you know, it's something that you just, it's like our self care routine. It's part of it. You can work out, you can eat healthy, you can do all the things, but if you were not comfortable with our own body and we have shame, not even just around masturbation, but our body looks, the way we look with a partner, which so many of us do, we all have things, but I think one of the best place to heal it is to really enhance the relationship you have with yourself. Oh my God. And understand how you get there. I love that. Okay, so you even said about the communication. So that was one part of the question that I have is if you're not satisfied in the bedroom, how do you have that communication with your partner where they don't feel like it's about okay. them? Because of course, everyone's got an ego. Um, okay, so like- let me go talk about my three T's of communication. And this actually works for any awkward conversation that you want to have. Well, let's start with sex. It's timing, tone, and turf. Timing. You want to make sure that it's at a time when just the two of you are hanging out. Maybe you're going for a walk. Maybe you're having a date night. Um, It's not when you're mad at your partner again for not giving you an orgasm or they didn't pick up their clothes or you're like, and another thing, I've never had an (laughs) orgasm. No, the time has to be chill. You know when that time is. And another way to remember it is when you're not halt, hungry, angry, lonely, or tired. Don't have any conversations that are important to you when you're in any of those states. And so after not, sex, I heard you say, right? Don't, don't have it outside the ball. That comes yeah. to, to, to turf. Mm. So that's timing. And the ter- timing tone and turf, turf outside the bedroom. People always assume, well, I'm in the bedroom. I'm going to have the conversation. But I love to encourage people to think about your bedroom mm. for sleeping and for sex. It's not for deep conversations. So when you're on a road trip, because then you're not making eye contact, but you're driving along, or when you're on a hike or a walk, because you can still sort of have that buffer. I mean, I'm, I'm here. I'm here for people. I understand. <laughs> I'm giving you the workarounds, and then I your tone. That. So here's how you have it: the tone. So please be all. This is the reason why we don't talk to our partner. Mm. We're so afraid that they're going to feel bad, that they're going to feel judged, that they're going to feel like bad lovers, or maybe they'll rage at us and say, well, you never do this. We're just so afraid that we just say, I'm going to be mute and I'm going to fake orgasms and I'm not going to have pleasure. So here's how you get over it with the tone. So, so I, uh, well, I need to talk to you about something that I realize that we've never really talked about. And I want you to know that this is really uncomfortable for me. Mm-hmm. It's, it's actually a little awkward because I have so much fear. And this is when you got to be vulnerable. I have so much fear that you're going to think this is about you or something that you've done. And it's not. It's really about, um, it's about our sex life. And, and I've been learning a lot lately on my own. I always say, blame me. You're listening to my podcast. You were reading something. And, and I've learned that there's... Blame Emily. Blame me. Yeah. People always blame me. <laughs> I, I don't care if you blame me. I'm totally fine with that. You, I was just listening to this podcast and watching this video. And I, I didn't know this. Did you know this? So you mm. make it like something that you're going to do together and say, I've never really spent a lot of time exploring my body. But what I've learned is we have so much capacity for pleasure. Did you know that there's... I could have a nipplegasm. I could give you pleasure in all these ways. Would you be willing to talk to have conversations about our sex life and what feels good. Mm. And so you could start with the orgasm talk and say, well, I've only never had one. I'd like to start working on it. Or I only have one with my vibrator, in which case would you be cool if I, I would love to bring that into the bedroom. And you just kind of go from there. Is there anything you've been wanting to talk about with our sex life? If you know, babe, tell me your, tell me what you would like. I also have a great thing on our website that's been downloaded, Lisa, you'll put so many times that we just created this year. It's called the yes, no, maybe list. And it's a free downloadable, and it has about 70 different sex suggestions on Mm. it. It's like everything from cuddling to spanking to kissing to taking a bath together. And it says, yes, no, maybe. You could each 
take this quiz and see, well, what are your yeses? That's great. What are your no's? What are your maybes? And then you can start with some yeses. Because what I'm saying here is even if you're having the most incredible sex, and I'm telling you sex isn't just about orgasms, I will tell you that in every single relationship, it's going to get stale after a while. You're mm. going to get bored. It's going to be the same thing over and over again. It's going to happen. So just to get ahead of it, even in the spirit of, I want to make sure that our sex life is really strong. I want to make sure we go to the distance. I want to get ahead of it getting boring. And I want to get ahead of us not knowing each other. Because it's not a one-time conversation either. So I'm just giving throwing another easy way is to say, let's talk about the three most memorable times we've had sex. Mm. Because when we have that conversation, you find out it's like almost like your sexual DNA. Like if I said to my partner, oh, it's that time we were on vacation and there were the breeze, the trees were blowing in the wind and someone knocked on the door and it was, we were so nervous. It's like, oh, well, maybe there's like a voyeur fantasy. Maybe you need to be on vacation again. So just to, to kind of do it in a way that we're in this together, I think we both would agree that it's important and let's talk about it. And then you might have to go back to, and I promise this isn't about you because your partner might still mm -hmm. say, with all the caveats, are you sure? Is it me? What's wrong with my penis? Da, 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 you know? You just got to keep encouraging and say, I've never done this either. That's how you have the talk. I love the way you just broke that down because words matter. The way you say it matters. Um, it can literally either break the conversation or bring you guys closer together. And then the other part of what you said, which I love is, you know, I've been with my husband now for 20 years and it's like, look, you, you're having sex with the same person. So how do you keep the spice alive? How do you keep it fresh? How do you still explore together, right? And I think it's so powerful in having those discussions in saying, hey, we need to keep spicing it up. Yeah. And so what does that look like for you? And that actually leads me to another question then about fantasies. So is it wrong to have a fantasy during sex? Is there a right or wrong? Um, in fact, I've got a leading question, but let's okay. go with, let's start okay. with that. Well, there's no sex police. I just want everyone to know <laughs> that I will, yeah, I will not knock on your door. No one's going to knock on your door and say, I heard you were having a fantasy. And there is a lot of confusion about fantasy. Having a rich, healthy fantasy life, fantasy life is another part of being overall sexually healthy. The richer the fantasies you have, sometimes the better sex life you have. You can be more creative. You can be more open. And so people often feel guilt that they were fantasizing about someone else during sex, and it happens. And so I just want to tell people it's all okay. I want to normalize it. It's not another thing that you should beat yourself up with. And so I think it also helps with our own solo play, with masturbation, to kind of think about things that turn you on. And then eventually you can share that with your partner. But let me remind you this, there's two kinds of fantasies. Okay. There's the fantasies that we would love to actually partake with somebody. I'd love my partner to, to fulfill this fantasy with me. Maybe you'd find it on the yes, no, maybe list. And then there's the ones we just like to keep to ourselves. And they're all okay. Oh, God, I love that. So what about the fantasies? So you said fantasize about someone else during sex. Happens. All right, so how, is that something that you would recommend you discuss with your partner? I, no, I wouldn't. I'm actually going to say, you don't have to say last night, I was thinking about that hot barista that we saw when we were getting coffee and I was fantasizing about him last night <laughs> when we were having sex. I was picturing him making a double latte. No, I mean, no. Listen, these things are not helpful, but what is helpful is to, is to share some fantasies that you might be wanting to try, but I don't think it, it's not cheating. Listen, our minds are complex. Mm. Our brain is the largest sex organ. It's, it's active. It's busy. We think of things that maybe we don't want to at times, and that's when I, I it's like maybe we'll then replace it with other fantasies. Listen, I'm not, if every single time you're with your partner and you have to think of someone else or something else, 
I mean, again, everything's in extremes. If that's all you're thinking about and you no longer want to be with your partner, then it's probably time to really then start to actually spice it up. And because the things that we miss the most is we miss variety, mm. we miss spontaneity, and we miss novelty. Those are the three things. So, but here's the cool thing is that novelty and, and variety and spontaneity, it doesn't mean like you have to go build like a, a dungeon or anything. I mean, you really don't. I mean, like spontaneity could be maybe your partner always initiates and you decide that I'm going to get the house all set up. I'm going to wear something that makes me feel sexy and I'm just going to spontaneously initiate sex. You know, I'm going to I'm going to give him a massage when he walks in. I'm going to I'm going to do something that's out of the blue because every time we have sex, it's the same way. So now we're going to have it in the living room. I mean, it could be anything that could be spontaneous, spont- spontaneous, spontaneity. And then there's variety. Variety could be switching up your positions. It could be anything on that yes, no, maybe less. Dressing sexy, getting into spanking, reading erotica together, watching porn together, listening to porn together. You know, that could just be something different. Different locations. Yeah, there's some audio erotica sites. Which is great. And women, a lot, I hear this from women a lot because sometimes I, I don't need to see it, but sometimes just hearing it. There's one called Dipsy. There's one called Triquin. We have also, we have we talk about this a lot on the show and on our site, but I have a lot of resources for, for women, especially some women just don't naturally have fantasies. I had to cultivate my fantasy life. I didn't have a lot of fantasies that just, some people just the way our minds are. If you're someone who dreams a lot and you're a dreamer, you're an artist and you are thinking in stories, it's just the way some people do, some people don't. But again, no shame. We can learn all of this. We're not taught any of these skills at mm. all. And the reason why so many of us aren't in the mood for sex, and I will say it's men and women equally lose their, like, their drive happens. That's a whole nother conversation. But it's because our brain isn't on board for sex. If we expect that every time our partner comes up to us and we should be ready to go, we're not doing our part. We have to keep our own pilot light lit. Mm-hmm. That was one of my questions is what happens when my partner has less of a sex drive towards me? Like, is it about me or is that them? I'm so glad you're asking these questions. It is not about you. I mean, We always assume, this is just going back to the sex conversation, we assume if there's anything going wrong with our sex life, it's our fault, they're not attracted to us anymore. We often assume that. So I think this is a conversation. Usually if you find, for for men, and again, I hate speaking in, 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 this is not absolutes, but if if a guy, if a man is on, let's say, antidepressants or blood pressure medication, there's some like, so rule out, like if they're on a medication or something like that, that, that that could impact your sex drive. If they're really stressed about money, about their job, about work, depressed, anxious, these are all gonna impact our sex drive. The foods we eat, how much we drink, if we do drugs, we're not sleeping. I mean, there's just, there's so many things that impact our sex drive. And to think it's just not attracted to me anymore, is just, it, it's just short-sighted and we end up hurting ourselves that way. So this is when we go back to the conversation. Because here's the other thing, Lisa, in most relationships, there's something called mismatched libidos. There's a high desire partner and a low desire partner. And again, split among genders. That was one of the big myths I used to believe that, that I used to believe the, the hype that men wanted sex all the time and women were frigid and not true at all. But there's a high desire and a low desire partner. The interesting thing is usually those people don't match up, which is a bummer. How great would it be if we don't want sex or we, we want it all the time? And so you got to work with that. That's when you have another conversation. You say, you know what? I realized lately 
um, I want sex every day and it seems like you don't want it as much. Let's kind of work around and figure out some ways to work sex into our schedule. And that's why I think scheduling sex is important. People think it's not sexy. It is literally, it is going to save you so much anguish. It's going to save you so much pain. It's going to save you so much heartache if you just know Saturday night is our night. It's on the calendar because then the high desire partner isn't trying on Wednesday and Thursday and Friday <laughs> and feeling rejected because then we can all look forward to Saturday night. I can get myself in the mood. I can masturbate beforehand. I can make sure that I'm ready. And then you look forward to it. You could start talking about like, where should we have sex Saturday night? What should we do? And it becomes fun. We got to make sex fun and something that you're shared. It's not up to one person to carry the weight of the sex life. So true. And you just said about rejection. Like you want to talk about something that can kill sex, the mood of sex immediately. So if you're rejected time and time again, you can just imagine that person's self-esteem oh, yeah. has been hit. Exactly. So now they're going to try less they're not going to feel as good about themselves. And now it creates this really weird freaking dynamic between two people. Yeah. And there's a lot, exactly, Lisa. And there's so many couples in that exact dynamic where they say, well, I stopped, I stopped trying, initiating sex mm -hmm. because I kept getting rejected. And then, so I don't even do it anymore. And then the partner who's like, well, I don't remember that they were trying that much. I mean, it just becomes so messy. And then we just, we silently suffer through so much pain when it comes to this when really just a conversation and then it becomes fun. I want to promise everybody that the more you talk about it, you actually get excited. Like you talk about what meal you're going to have and where you're going on summer vacation and the new furniture you're going to buy for your house. Bring this into the equation. What could we invest in for our sex life? What could we do? What could we, what could we experience together? God, I love that. And you even said so about communication. Um, cause I've been with Tom for 20 years. Like, it must have been fairly recently, actually. I turned to him and I was like, are you satisfied? <laughs> yeah. And, you know, like I do ask him a lot and he asks me. But the way I asked him, he was like, yeah, why? And I'm like, because well, you used to want it like 10 times a day. And, you know, now it's, and he's like, but babe, that was when I first met you at 24. Yeah. He's like, I'm in my 40s now. Testosterone. Yeah, exactly. He well, was testosterone drops for men in their 40s and for women as well. We have to get tested. We have to see hormone doctors. We have to realize that it's going to take a little bit more work. Mm -hmm. And it's okay. Like, it's okay that you might need to schedule it and talk about it. And of course, you were like, well, you, it changed. It changes for everybody. I just want to normalize that your mm -hmm. sex life will not be the same in mm -hmm. your 20s as it is in your 30s, as in your 40s, your 50s. And so it's just really important that we just have more education and yeah. we understand that it's not about you. When you're in your early 20s, for a lot of men and women, our testosterone's raging. We can't help but have sex. Like we can't, it's all we think about. And then life goes on and our, it's testosterone. It's just life. We don't, we don't prioritize as much. It's, it's everything. It's physiological. Mm. Yeah. And then consistency. I want to talk to you about how often people think that they should have okay. sex. People always ask me, what is the number? They want this <laughs> magic number and I'm yeah. not gonna give it to people. I'm not giving you a number so you can check it off. Because mm -hmm. people are assume people also assume that everyone's having more sex than they are. And they're not. Your neighbors are not doing what you think they're doing. And it doesn't really matter about your neighbors because what matters is about yourself. So what is enough for both of you? That's now if you both say, well, once a week is great then there's no problem. It only becomes a problem if there's a problem. Now, I, do, I think once a month isn't enough. I'll say that. I understand we all go through crazy times and stressful times where weeks go by, but then if weeks go by, 
and then another three weeks go by and then another then i would say what could we do to start to make this more consistent because it's just like working out you'll appreciate this lisa is that you know how it is when you are going to the gym regularly and you get up and you just you go to the gym and think about it but then you're on vacation you take a break you take a few weeks off and then you're like oh my god and like getting on your shoes it's so hard but then you get to the gym and you're like okay i can do this again why not try to avoid the slip into like, oh God, we got to have sex to make it consistent to say, even if a week, if a week goes by, we should figure out a way to still be sexual, to still be intimate. Now, I'm not just talking about penetration. This could be mutual masturbation where you're both getting off. You're both figuring out what feels good, which is really hot. I get asked a lot of questions about mutual masturbation because mm. it's like, like, how do you do it? Well, you're just both laying back on your bed or wherever. You have, you have your way of doing it. They have their way. Maybe you're using a toy. And why I love this is because it's a twofer. First, it's really hot to see your partner in ecstasy and pleasing themselves. And the second thing is you actually learn what feels good to them. You're like, oh, I didn't know that you used your finger this way or that way. And oh, I'm learning something about my partner. And it's intimate and you're aroused and maybe you're having an orgasm. And so that could still satisfy that urge and that's still intimacy, which is what I think when people are like, how many times a week, that in a way is perpetuating the whole like, penis goes in vagina sex, where I think that there's so many other ways to connect. If you have big, beautiful, incredible, audacious dreams for your online business, but you actually lack the confidence in your ability to then actually make it happen. And I promise you, my homie, and I say this with all the love and compassion in my heart, your company will never get where you want it to go. I've been there, guys. In Growing Quest, I had to face myself every day. I didn't know what I was doing. And I really wish that I had Shopify at the time. Because when you choose to grow your business with Shopify, you have everything you need to make your dreams a reality. Now, Shopify is an all-in-one global commerce platform that helps you at every stage of your business. From launching your business to hitting a million dollars, Shopify has got you completely covered. And with their incredible Magic AI, award-winning customer service, and the internet's best converting checkout, you literally have everything you need to make all of your amazing businesses' dreams a reality. And that's exactly why I adore and love Shopify. If you're serious about growing your freaking badass business and you want to build your confidence and have faith, then Shopify is here for you. So go over right now and sign up for just $1 a month with your trial period at shopify.com slash lisa all lowercase guys. Again, that is go to shopify.com slash Lisa right now to grow your business no matter where you are and what stage it's in. One more time, that's shopify.com slash Lisa. You won't regret it. That's interesting. But what if it's just like, I'm just not in the mood, right? Because here's what I can... I am so aware of my relationship with my husband that I never allow any emotion to steer me in the wrong direction. So we've never been multiple weeks, except actually when I was really sick, I just physically couldn't. But um, we've never left multiple weeks apart from that go without us actually having sex because we understand the chemistry. We understand the neurochemistry that's happening between us, that it's the bonding chemical, that it's important for our long lasting relationship. But the truth is, is that if you're not really pushing for that, sometimes I think excuses can feel real, right? And people can say that maybe they're watching this like, yeah, it's all right for you to say that, Emily, but I've got this going on, but I'm doing this, but I've got kids, but I've got a job. Kids but are, I've got this so hard. Like, there's, there's going to be a million excuses that people are going to say of why they haven't had sex in a month or two. Right. How do you break them of that notion? 
Well, how is it making you feel? I mean, I think if I'm telling you that your intimacy and your sex life is an important part of your relationship because then you're just roommates and I'm gonna tell you that it's gonna get harder and harder, then then you have to say we're all busy. We are all busy, but then you have to set your alarm earlier in the morning or you have to you know, go to bed later at night or you just have to talk to your partner and f- try to say what would be a good time for us to connect again. It could just be in a massage. You could even take sex off the table. Maybe you've been having some pain. Maybe you've been um, really stressed out. But what if you just each give each other a 10 minute back massage and then see where that leads? Because a lot of times we're not having sex mm-hmm. because we are anxious because we're stressed, because we're worried, because there's so much going on and it's sort of this vicious cycle. So if you can break that cycle and say, well, what do I need? What are my requirements for being aroused? Well, I know for me, like let's say I have a date or someone's coming over, we're doing something. It's like, I know that I need to shower. I have a steam shower in my house. It's like, I'll take steam shower, I'll meditate. I make sure that I'm like, have everything just, I feel good, that I'm good. I can't, it's hard for me just to get right into it. And I get that when you have kids and you're living with someone, it might be harder, or you might have a different set of arousal. It might be like the kids are already sleeping. It might be um, the housework is done. It might be, you know, just just find the way, think about the last time you were the most aroused and you were the ready for sex. What was the environment? What were you seeing, smelling, tasting? Think about the senses. Like what kind of environment do you need to make you feel ready for sex? God, I love that. There's something you just said though that horrified me a little. Okay. Which was, okay, the housework is done. And the sex being the important part of a relationship, of a couple's intimate relationship. But yet, most of us, a lot of us, myself included, have in the past put housework in front of it. I I need to do the dishes. I have to do the laundry. I have to finish this, yeah. Mm -hmm. Assignment, whatever. Which is heartbreaking that we do that, prioritize that. And so in fact, that's actually what it comes to, the priorities of life. And so, I think I know your answer, but where would you prioritize sex? I would say it should be one of the top pillars of your relationship. I would say prioritize your, listen, if you're a couple that prioritizes health and wellness, you can't have sex be the outlier of your health and wellness. And I think that's the problem. You were saying that it's interesting. Earlier when we talked about self-care, people don't think of it, but don't think of sex. But it's absolutely because you talk about the neurochemistry, you talk about the oxytocin, the cuddle hormone, like we require it. We need touch. We need connection with our partners. And so in telling you that, if you if you think about that, it's, it's part of being healthy overall, then I think you have to prioritize it. And sooner than later, even if you don't know what to do with it, just say, I'm not sure what to do about this either. I'm stressed out. Not, but let's problem solve together. I always hear from, like I said, one person in the relationship, but do it together. You both want it. I mean, I'm going to say now that your partner wants to be a good lover to you. They're with you. They just might not know how because the house is a mess and they have a lot of responsibilities and they're stressed out. So it's just another thing you have to solve, like opening up a savings account or how are we going to be better parents? I just want people to think differently about their sex life. God, I, and you, as you were saying it, I was like, it's kind of like, you know how in the mornings we're just like, I need to meditate and then I'll do this. Can you see a world where someone's like, I just need to masturbate and then yes, I'll do I this? Ju- Lisa, I got you my meditate. <laughs> I got her a masturbate, got- meditate, manifest candle because that's me most mornings. I will do all those things. I will masturbate. I, I meditate every morning. I mean, don't, but again, I am not a saint. I mean, I am not perfect. Sometimes I'll have like go a few weeks and I'll be like, oh my God, like the pandemic, I'm home alone. Like, I'm not masturbating. And then I'm like, oh, and then whenever I have an orgasm, it's like, 
the cloud shift. Mm. I just, and I'm not saying this for everybody, but you're gonna notice a shift because orgasms are good for us. They actually help boost our immune system. They, they help with cramps. They help clear our skin. They help clarify our thoughts. I mean, it's like, it's, it's what do you gotta lose? I freaking love that girl. And it's so true. Like the more we're talking, the more, like, you know, as you said about your candle, making it normal so that it becomes part of our self-care because then like if we do that i then think it will make it easier to start talking about more right. with our friends with our partners because like even just going through all the hard questions i was like i can talk to you about it now that i'm in my 40s confident been with my husband for 20 years but i'm like what about that person that's just starting out like how do we set them up for success or even someone right there now that may be in a relationship where let's say it's they've got some bed death and it's like, how the hell, Emily, do we start helping those people That's, to spark it alive? Yeah. Like, I, there's opportunities here. We just have to be honest this about what it. that is. Yeah. I mean, do some research, or like research, read about sex, start to explore your own body and figure out what feels good to you. I mean, I, I learned a lot. I mean, I do have a doctorate in human sexuality. I went back to school. But what a lot of what I learned about my own body came from my own experimentation. It came from my own, like, what how might this feel what you know we have so many nerve endings in our body so just getting curious about sensations and what feels good to us i just want people to know that it's and i encourage you because it's really still shameful like you've been with someone they're like well, when is the i bet you people are thinking well i've only been with someone for six months or only been with them for a month is it too soon and i think as soon as you're having sex with somebody it's time to start talking about it yeah like isn't there a quote like if you can't talk about sex then you shouldn't have be having sex yes exactly Exactly. And we will talk about everything with our partners. Literally, sometimes like you had a baby together. You sat and watched that baby come out of your wife's vagina. Like you, you birthed something. You have shared everything. You've been through the highs and lows, but you will not address your sex life. And it's just, I just want to turn that on its head. I want to take away the taboo and the shame. And I think that the more that you hear it and you realize that you just haven't been living in a world where it was safe and where it was comfortable, be that friend in your friend group. Be that friend that talks about it. Say, hey, I know we never talked about this, but do you masturbate or what kind of orgasms do you have? I'd love to know. And, and I think you will find that people are gonna be on board with the conversation. I found that most people want to talk about it. They just haven't felt safe or mm -hmm. had that person. Yeah, it's very true. And um, at least right now, and obviously you're way more in this space than I am, but I still hear people that get either weirded out, offended, um, or think that there's something wrong with them if their partner's still watching porn? Great question. I hear that too. That is very common every day because again, we have all this misinformation about porn. Porn is a complicated topic because first off, the problem with porn, I'll start with this, is that the proliferation of porn since our smartphones have been in our pockets, so maybe about 16 years, probably since I started, so this is something that I've seen change a lot, is that a lot of people have now grown up that when they think of sex, they think of porn. Porn is not an accurate depiction of how you have sex. It is scripted. It's mostly, most of the porn that we see is made for the, by men for men through mm -hmm. the male gaze. So it's what men fantasize about. It doesn't mean they necessarily want that to happen. And that's when you see all the penetration happening without the warm up. You don't see that it's awkward. You don't see- There's no story. There's no storyline. <laughs> I can tell you about some good porn that's being made now that's like ethically produced for women. Um, that's for women by women, which is great. But going back to the thing about, so that's what I want to say about porn in general, but 
it can also be great because it's titillating. It can be inspiring. We might learn some scenarios that, that turn us on. We can watch with a partner. But there are a lot of people who believe that if their partner watches porn, it is cheating. Now, listen, if your partner's only watching porn and they don't want to have sex with you, if mm. they are feeling more standoffish, if they can't perform, now this is when porn becomes a problem. People can be, have watched too much porn and that's when you have a consequence. People are like, oh, am I addicted? Like, I don't want to put labels on it. But if you can only get off when you watch porn, that when you're with a human, you can't get off, you know, mm. then you might want to scale back on your porn watching. But typically it's just kind of a benign, like people are going to masturbate in relationships, out of relationships. And for, for many people, it's just a release. It feels good. It's a stress reliever. And it really does not have anything to do with your partner's feelings towards you. Hmm. Yeah, it seems like, like a lot of things in life, a little bit is actually great. Too much of it could be dangerous. It's everything. Mm. It's literally everything. It, it's moderation. Yeah. It's true. Um, at least with me and my husband, I'm always like, if I'm not in the mood and he is, I'm always like, by all means, go watch yes. porn. Like, right. It's like my savior. Yeah. You're like, thank God. Yeah. Like, right. Exactly. And how that's great. I mean, and, but the, and I love that you're like that because you know how many people would love to have the blessing of their partner? There's so many people I hear from, and I would say that this is probably more men than women that are like hiding out of the basement or in their car and they're masturbating and then they feel shame after because they had to keep it secret from their partner and it just becomes super messy. And then there's like resentments, but to be like, Hey babe, go for it. I support you. Like that is so liberating to have a partner that is totally down with what you're into and what is supporting you to be sexually healthy. But again, it's relearning all these messages. Mm -hmm. So what if then you have a fantasy or a desire and you share it with your partner and they're so horrified, like now you feel, you want to talk about feeling the shame, the judgment, the embarrassment, the feeling like, well, I'm never going to do that again because this didn't end well. Um, how would you handle that sort of situation where you're not judging yourself, but your partner yeah, is? Yeah, like, so they actually are judging. Like yeah. our biggest fear yeah. is coming true that yeah. they're judging us. Well, I think you have to sort of ease into it. So, like, I think, again, it's about having the conversations. I would build up to it. So I would say, so I've heard that one of the top fantasies is, is and this is true, is like threesomes or group sex. Split among genders, top fantasies. So you just kind of take baby steps. Would that ever be interesting to you? Have you ever fantasized about someone watching us or having someone else in the room? And, and then you just... Do you have any fantasies? Sometimes you guys could maybe build fantasies together. So I, I just think you got to build up to it. And again, not a one-time conversation. Well, that's the thing. So let's say you're just starting out your relationship, your sexual journey with somebody. Is there a right time to be bringing up, hey, I actually really like this. Can you try this? Just like, you know, physically. Yeah. And then when is that good like next step of being like, Hey, I actually have some fantasies because that's like, I think people worry about timing. How long should I be with him before I'm open about it? Right. Before I actually articulate my dreams, my fantasies, my G spot, right. like all of that sort of thing. I think, right. If you want to have pleasurable sex, start talking about it now. And I'll go back to the yes, no, maybe list because I had no idea it would be so, I mean, I, such a great fodder for couples because from mm. there to jump, even if you don't get all the way through it, you're like, oh, you like spanking? I want to be spanked. Amazing. Maybe you just go off of that or you like dirty talk. I didn't know that. Like, let's figure out how to talk dirty together. So I guess, I guess what I'm saying is like bring in some other tools, some other resources that you guys could discuss together and sort of make that part of it. Like how great to find out on a third date if your partner is, has a, has a growth mindset around sex. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
What if your partner says, oh, well, I don't talk about it? That you have your answer. People walk down the aisle with people and they're married for years and then they call me like, my partner's not sexual. Well, did you just, how was it the beginning? Mm, they were never really into it. People don't change. You become mm. more of who they are unless they have a very specific, like, I'm going to change. You know, this, this is what you're all about. Um, it, unless you decide, I'm going to become more sexual. I'm going to get more in shape. I'm going to start to meditate. Like, you, you could decide that up until now you weren't. But if, you, if your partner hasn't done any work around this, then, then don't be surprised. Find out before you commit for life. A lot of what you're talking about really does kind of come back to confidence. Like, as a female, I'll just keep it at that for now, um, to speak to your partner, to bring these things up, to talk about the hard things, to, you know, point out where your, you know, your, your very spe special spots are. Like, all of this really does take a lot of confidence in yourself because no matter what, you can, you're putting yourself out there and you're leaving yourself open for that person to come back and shut you down, make you feel shameful and all of that. Yeah. Do you talk about that or like work on like the confidence part of it? Yeah, I think it's a practice. I think that confidence is a big part of it, but I think that the more that you do it and the more that you, you are with a partner that makes you feel good. Again, toxic partners, people who aren't about your growth. I mean, I'll bet you if you have a partner who's shaming you for it, and you have a partner who is telling you how dare you bring this up and you want to talk about, you want to talk about sex, how supportive are they of your career? How supportive are they of your independence? How supportive are they of your friendships? This usually isn't in one area. They're probably shut down in other areas of importance to you. So I think this could be a litmus test. I think it's, I do think it's grounds for dismissal for a partner who isn't invested in your pleasure, who says, oh, you don't need a toy or you don't need to watch porn or we shouldn't have to work on it. But again, I'm not shaming them. Most of the information we've been told is that sex should always be amazing. We should always be in the mood. We shouldn't have to talk about it. It should be just as fabulous as it was in the honeymoon phase, which is a biological condition that lasts six months mm -hmm. to two years. And that's all the feel good, the oxytocin, the dopamine, all those like neurochemical love. It's a love cocktail. It's the most glorious, sexy cocktail of hormones that you've ever had. And that's why we love that phase. But it doesn't last. Like any great drug trip or any great high, it's going to come down. And so to just base, have that as your benchmark, as your baseline, it's like it doesn't, it doesn't serve you because you're not really in your in state of mind because you have the novelty, you have the newness, you have the excitement. You've never been with this person before, but that is going to change. So I just say the confidence comes from knowing that you deserve pleasure, that you deserve to be in a healthy relationship, and then working on your own body shame and body insecurities. I do think mm. also that masturbation helps with that. Looking in the mirror, looking at yourself naked, putting a mirror between your legs and saying like, what do I look like down here? Because if we don't love our own bodies, and again, some of this might seem cliche to people. I'm not even saying you have to love it. How about you don't accept your own body? If you don't accept your own body, it's going to be really hard to get somebody else on board with it as well. Not that they're not going to like your body, but if you're like constantly like, I don't know, I feel bad about it. It's just going to be hard for someone else to let someone else in. So a lot of times we're the, we're the problem too. That's what I was actually going to say, right? It's that you're insecure in your own body. So maybe you're not as sexual. You're not as making as many advances. You want the lights off. You're not putting yourself out there to your partner. So right. now they feel a certain way. They probably think it's about them. And now it becomes a, you're not doing yourself any service. Right, right. We're, we're, we're preventing ourselves from from a real true connection and pleasure, which we all deserve. Pleasure mm -hmm. is our birthright.
Mm, I love that. What is the thing that you find like the one of the hardest things that women specifically find difficult to talk about um, in regards to sex? Some things that are hard for women to talk about is when they have pain. So a lot, 80% of women will have pain during sex at some point 80%. in their life. 80%. And of, some, and of, and of those women, um, it's not all the time, but for some it's every time. But we're just starting to look at women's sexual health. And so women can have something called vulvodynia or vaginismus, which means that upon entering anything, since it's a tampon, it's a finger, anything, they've had it their whole life. And it just means that they've had some, maybe they've had some, they hold, they clench or they hold in um, stress or pain and they're constantly flexing their pelvic floor muscles or tensing it. And so that's why I say you can check out a pelvic floor physical therapist. And this is all new, is still new information, Lisa. I didn't even know about a pelvic floor physical therapist 10 years ago. It's like, so, so what I'm saying is you, you don't have to live with it. There's a lot of resources for women to kind of realize that, that you could get checked, you could figure out what it is, you don't have to suffer through pain. So I think that's hard for women because we're like, well, life's already hard, I just, I'll just take the painful sex because we, we can put up with a lot of pain, women. Mm. We, we give birth, we have cramps every month, we have periods, we just are like, oh, it's another thing. No, you don't have to live with pain. So that's one of them. But again, it doesn't mean you can't have penetration you could do, the mutual masturbation, you could just have external mm. pleasure, but, but don't force yourself through, through pain. Just don't, get, get some answers. Again, we have tons of resources. Unfortunately, a lot of gynecologists aren't as prepared to talk about this stuff. They just don't. They weren't. They weren't trained in it. We don't prioritize women's sexual health in this country. Mm. Um, so I just have to say, you have to become a detective. But again, I have a lot of great resources for people. Yeah. Well, yeah. that's great because it's really like if you broke your ankle, you think I was stupid if I didn't go to the doctors and get it fixed, right? Yeah. Everyone would be like, "What the fuck are you doing, Lisa?" Right. But if you have a broken vagina, like. You gotta go seek get right. it fixed. Exactly. Like after childbirth, so many women just that they have pain. That's why we have to do our kegels and strengthen our pelvic floors. But there could just be other there could be tearing, there could be fissures. I mean, there's just there's a lot. And sometimes women, certain times a month, when we're ovulating, for some women they have pain like once a month and they just like, oh, mm. I don't know exactly when it's gonna happen. It's because like our ovaries drop. And so it's just like getting smart and paying attention to our own cycles and our own bodies. Become an expert in your own body. Why is that one then the, the most taboo? Like one of the biggest taboos well, to talk about pain yeah i just think because we feel shame because we think well what do i want my partner to reject me that i have pain so i would say that just one of them that we are one of them were very mm. uncomfortable we're like i feel less than i don't feel desirable i don't actually know why it is something's wrong with me and i'm broken so that is a taboo and talking to our friends about it. I mean, I think that if women start to open up with their friends about it as well, they realize that they're not alone. If I'm saying 80%, at least your friends could be like, oh yeah, that happened to me once, or I have a friend, or here's what I did. So yeah, pain is one of them. And I think, and I think it's also just I'm not having pleasure or I'm not, I need more foreplay. I need you to do the dishes first. Like, listen, there's a lot of things that turn us on. I need you to take a shower first. I need to warm up. Like I know if my partner gives me like a 10 minute massage, I'm so, like, it's gotten to the point where he'll come over and I'll put out, like, my massage table because I have one at my house and I'm working all the time and he, like, puts it out. He'll, like, lay down a blanket and he'll, like, I know you need this after this long day. And I'm not saying it happens every time, but when it happens, like, he sees I'm a different person. We need to melt away the stress. We need to be able to realize, like, we can't, and also it's so easy to complain about it or just be like, I'm not turned on, but Get curious, what does turn you on? What does get you in the mood? If you need a toy or you need oral sex 
or you need to feel that your partner asks about your day first. Like if we don't, like it's so complicated. Mm -hmm. It's not just about arousal, not just about touching the body parts. It's about our love languages. Like where do you feel the most love from your partner? If you haven't, like a lot of us, oh, I haven't talked to my partner in weeks. We haven't had a intimate conversation. We've been like ships that pass the night, but now my partner comes in and wants to have sex. I'm not turned on because we haven't had the grounding. Maybe you need to have a conversation before sex. Mm. Maybe you just need to feel adored if words are your love language, words of affirmation, like tell me how hot I am. I mean, there's, I'm just giving people, I'm throwing it all out there to so kind of look at it and go, oh yeah, I felt really intimate that time mm-hmm. and he really helped me with stuff around the house or he made an effort with the kids or she, who knows? I mean, there's so many different formulas, but like get curious and think about it because really we're going to be the ones who ultimately are going to be able to crack our own code then we can share it with a partner. Oh, I love that. All right, I got one big one for you. Okay. Is it impossible to have an orgasm? Like if some people are like, I just can't orgasm. Like I actually used to say that with my first boyfriend that I lost my virginity when I was I with him for too. four years. And I was like, I just, I'm just, I can't orgasm. I wasn't masturbating. I thought it was shameful. I was like, women don't do that. So right. I grew up, oh, you know, like literally with a guy that was like, oh, I, I just guess I can't. And then I met Tom. And I was like, holy hell, what yes, exactly. But there were people right now, luckily I met Tom in, so, when I was, you know, in my 20s. But what about people who may be older? Or in fact, what about people who are even having sex now and they're like, I haven't had one yet. Or people who are older and like, it's impossible for me. Well, here's the good news. Most women, the women you're talking about, are pre-orgasmic. They're not anorgasmic. They're, what does that mean? It just means they haven't had an orgasm yet. Pre-orgasmic, you just haven't done the steps to have an orgasm, but anorgasmic is like you at no cost can have an orgasm. And for many women, it's a toy. There should be no shame in using sex toys. Again, the fact that we think that toys are somehow, it should only, our orgasm should only happen through a penis or through a finger. Like why, who said that? Like we use, we use technology for ev- to enhance every other area of our life. What is the problem with using a toy? Use it. And I think that the most people feel they feel shameful. It's not the right thing. My, their partner doesn't like it. And there is a lot of men I've seen who've said like, oh, I, like they feel worse. If I use a toy, it means that they're not good enough. Right. But that's just saying, no, I need something extra and you could use it on me. And I've found that with partners that may have been intimidated, once they use a toy with me mm. or I use it on them, they feel great on men too. Toys feel great on a penis, all over the body. Use some massage oil. It's a good time. But... I think once they're with me and they see it, they're like, bring that toy out. Like they're down, it helps, it's, it moves things along. It's the sure thing. So play with it, yeah. have fun. But Nothing. you do think, you don't think that it's impossible for anybody. I do anybody. not think it's impossible for anybody. I really don't. I mean, if, if email me if you can't have an orgasm and you've tried everything, I'll help you. I, I believe it's possible for every woman to figure out how to have an orgasm. Freaking How about that? Love it. Right? Yeah. Totally possible. So where can people go to find all these questionnaires, things that you've done? Where can they email you if they can't have an orgasm? Sexwithemily.com is where you find everything. You can email me at feedback at sexwithemily.com with your questions, or an easy way to do it is sexwithemily.com slash askemily. All social media, sexwithemily. You can DM me. You've got toys. You've got guides you've got workbooks you've got a master class i've got a master class if you will subscribe to master class i have a master class which is epic girl 
Boom. Boom. There we go. Guys, 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 go check out this woman. She is on fire. I freaking love her. I am biased because she's one of my closest friends. <laughs> but she's my closest friend because I think she's that freaking cool. So go check out all the amazing stuff that she's doing. She honestly wants to really, no BS, change people's lives through sex. So go check her out. And guys, if this episode has brought you value, please please do share, subscribe, click that subscribe button down there. And then also drop in the comments, what was the most fire piece of advice that she gave in today's episode? And guys, if you're not following me, follow me at Lisa Billu. And until next time, guys, be the hero of your own life. Peace out. <laughs>